You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 180. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Craig Martell, who is an international best-selling author who writes in several different genres, uh, but is probably best known for his uh, science fiction books. Uh, but he also writes the Ian Bragg thrillers, and the fourth book in that series, A Fatal Brag, was published on November 26th. But before we get to the interview with Craig, you'll hear us talking about the uh, 20 Books uh, Conference that Craig puts together uh, every year down in Las Vegas. I've attended uh, three of those conferences, and I'm planning to be there next year. And so I highly recommend uh, you check it out and to attend if you can work that out. Uh, it's a great conference. Uh, you can go to 20booksvegas.com for all the details Registration will be open on January 8th, 2022 for the conference that will be held in November of that year. Uh, tickets have sold out in the past, especially now, I think, with everyone being eager to venture out after a year plus of lockdowns. Uh, so you, you can go over to uh, 20booksvegas.com for the details and uh, check that out. But uh, anyway, just wanted to give you the heads up on that. It's a great conference. And if you do go, uh, let me know and we'll chat uh, in Vegas. All right, here is my interview with uh, Craig Martell. Hey, everybody, this is uh, Alan with Meet the Thriller Author, and I'm really excited to have on the podcast today, uh, Craig Martell. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Craig. Hey, thanks for having me on, Alan. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks so much for coming on here. And uh, well, before we get into the nitty gritty of uh, talking about books and all that good stuff, uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your background before you became a, a, an author? Oh, holy cow. That's a lot of years. I didn't become an author until uh, I was in, in my 50s. I enlisted in the Marine Corps and spent an entire Marine Corps career, 21 years, in the intelligence community as a Russian linguist uh, when I was enlisted. And then when I got my commission as an officer, I uh, served in all the intelligence disciplines. And then when I got out, the Marines always say about, uh, what do I need to do? What am I going to do when I grow up? So after I retired, I, I went and got a law degree and then went into business consulting and, and leadership uh, coaching. So I did that for about seven years. I was working on the North Slope of Alaska, which is inside the Arctic Circle. And I was gone over half the half the month. And the temperatures are just brutally extreme up there because it's uh, it's 500 miles from the uh, uh, from the North Pole. So uh, I looked at it and was like, I'm, I'm just not going to do this anymore. I'm getting too old for this. So I uh, retired. I lit myself on fire. Uh, trying to uh, clean up my yard. So I decided that I couldn't do that kind of stuff either. And I needed to uh, just write that book I always wanted to write. And I started writing and that was uh, 2015. And I haven't stopped since. Wow. So you, even before when you were in the Marine Corps and everything, you're out in the back of your mind, you're always uh, dreaming about writing a book or it was just a goal that you had? Always stories, always stories. Uh, one thing that uh, uh, in the intelligence community, in order to analyze, you have to ask a lot of what ifs. What if it's this? What if it's that? What if they have this capability that we don't see? Uh, and if we don't see it, then how can we look to find it? What assets can we task? And all of that comes together. And it's just, I mean, novel fodder, constant novel fodder just inundates you over uh, 20 years. And plus, some of the funniest things I've ever seen were in high stress situations in the Marine Corps. So uh, I've got enough of those for a lifetime worth of stories too. And what was the, uh, what was the first uh, book that you, that you wrote and published? The first book was, uh, 
It was called It's Not Enough to Just Exist, which is a, was a post-apocalyptic survivalist book. And that was a good book to get my feet wet in regards to writing because I live here in Alaska and and survivalist is kind of one thing you have to do. You have to have that mentality. So in case you lose power for a month or something like that, do you have enough to eat? Can you survive? What What's it going to take? So while I was preparing for that kind of mindset and approach to living here in Alaska, and I live in the interior, so it's kind of kind of conditions are kind of harsh. Yeah, live in the interior of Alaska, complaining about the harsh conditions of the North Slope, as it was uh, like minus thirty uh, Fahrenheit last week. But I digress, and, and, to, and that book it didn't sell really well, except it was a, it was a good story. And a traditional publishing house picked it up. So my very first book I ever writ, wrote uh, turned into a four-book series called End Times Alaska. And, and that one did did really, really well for uh, for them because they, they had to retitle it. They edited it and uh, put new covers on it. And then it sold really well after that. The third book I ever wrote, which and I wrote all these in a, in a matter of like four months. Third book I ever wrote was uh, People Raged and the Sky Was on Fire. That one was a thriller based uh, that talked about the intelligence community and the uh, dysfunction within Washington, D.C. and cross-agency cooperations. So I wrote that thriller. And right now on my screen, right behind my my super cool phone, I've got uh, the sequel to that book that I wrote five years ago. Oh, so are you still planning on putting that that out eventually? or? Oh, I, I'll have it done by the end of this month. I've got it on pre-order for March. And I'll probably early that up to maybe the first week in February. Yeah, I think that's so cool because I remember, uh, with, uh, you know, I'm familiar with your background, obviously. But uh, like your first book, um, I believe you said it, it it took you a little bit longer and then you got better and better. And, and so you got kind of down to like a science. Can you tell us a little bit about that process for you? Oh, you bet. When I worked as a business consultant, we did process improvement. And so I saw writing as a process, getting the cover, doing the editing writing and production. How do we maximize our production? How do we make sure that uh, all the stars are in alignment each day to generate the words and tell the story? How do we make sure the story flows? And all I saw that as a, as a production line in my mind. So I put it together that way and I'd finish one book, shoot it to the editor, and then immediately start the next book. And when I finished the book, shooting it to the editor the first time I tried to get an editor, uh, they were like, okay, I have an opening in three months. I'm like, yeah, but the book's done now. They said, I have an opening in three months. So uh, I, I didn't like that at all, but I liked the editor. So I said, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you on retainer and pay you a set amount each uh, on the first of each month. And then when I give you a book, you edit it, you move it to the front of whatever else you're doing, edit it and shoot it back. And uh, that arrangement worked great for like three years. And then now, since I'm doing more pre-orders and stuff like that, I don't need that turnaround within a week. There, I was doing no pre-orders. I was publishing a book a month. And as soon as they were done, get them edited, get it through the proofread team, and then publish it. And from when I typed the end, it was about one week until it was published. So uh, maintaining that torrid pace, but I wasn't doing anything else besides writing. I was writing like 12 hours a day. So there's no excuse not to be able to maintain that kind of pace. Uh, and then uh, I got involved with 20 books to 50K, Michael Anderley, and decided that uh, sometimes you have enough money. And I had enough. Uh, 
my author earnings are are simply a barometer of how I'm doing. So of course I want to I want to sell more and more books, but still uh, my calling seemed to be more uh, philanthropy for authors and helping other authors find uh, their best way up the mountain that they determine for their success. Yeah, you do so much for the uh, for the indie author community. The the 20 books uh, to 50k group what is that now like 55,000 plus i believe members <laughs> yeah it's over 55,000 but yeah, that, that's the crazy good, <laughs> the good thing is because of our conferences and uh, i started those just because i got mad at a different conference that didn't uh, that was overpriced and underserved so uh we started our own conferences and now it's not just indies we have a huge number of traditionally published authors who are contemplating doing indie publishing as well as just happy with uh, traditionally be, being traditionally published, but want to uh, establish a relationship with other authors who are doing similar things. So uh, it's not just indies anymore. It's uh, all authors. And, and that is going really, really well. Uh, we have a great community and at the conference, so uh, a success. We had David Weber uh, come to the show. And he's he does have a few indie published titles, but he's mostly traditionally published. Yeah, that's a great conference. Uh, I've been to three of uh, three of them. I missed one because it was my wife's fiftieth birthday in two thousand eighteen. So I decided I better <laughs> sit, sit that sit yeah, that one yeah. out. But uh, yeah, wonderful conferences. I just I was there in the one in uh, November. It was so nice after the pandemic. It's the first big outing that I've had <laughs> since the pandemic started. <laughs> I think that was most people. It was time to get out. Yeah. It was no matter what, it was time to go. Yeah. And did, I was curious about that. Do you have a experience putting these together? Because you put now you're like, it's one of the best in, uh, writing conferences out there, in my opinion. Uh, did you have experience putting shows like these together before? I, I had done a few shows for uh, when I was in the historical miniature gaming community. I had done a few shows. And plus, I had done a few Marine Corps balls. So there's a lot of overlap in preparing for a large event, whether it's a meal and a, uh, a series of presentations or a bunch of games that people need to sign up for. So it all, in a, it all worked out to help me best understand what we needed to do to manage the project that is 20 Books to 50K, 20 Books Vegas, as well as all the other events we hold around the world. Like next year, uh, 20 Books Madrid will be in Madrid, Spain in June. And what's your favorite part of uh, being involved with uh, with the group that, and putting on these conferences in Las Vegas and Madrid and everywhere? Changing lives. When people say, you changed my life. I was able to leave my crappy job. I was, uh, I was divorced and had nothing. And now I'm able to provide for myself. Uh, there's so many of those stories. Uh, it's really uh, heartwarming. And that's why we do what we do, to help people realize a better life for themselves, even if they love their full-time job, but that little bit extra they can earn from their writing, as well as give them a plan for when they retire. Because most people don't know what they're going to do after they retire. Oh, I'm just going to sit on the beach. Yeah, that gets old after about two days. So what else are you going to do? And uh, people find that I can that they can write and tell stories. And I'm sure you've heard some kind of statistics like uh, one out of every hundred authors make it. Uh, and, and make any money at this gig and most only make uh, don't even make enough to cover the costs. But I think because of groups like 20 books of 50 K and the support structure we have, we have a greater percentage of successful authors in our group than, and than other groups, because we're not in it to, to take money from them. We're in it to help them make more money for themselves. Yeah. So I say, cause the, your conference, I mean, the pricing is like, 
compared to the other conferences is like very, very cheap and you don't take sponsorships. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just incredible how you've, uh, uh, how you put everything together like that and to help the, to help the uh, writers out there. Oh, well, thank you. And, and this last year we had over 100 scholarships. We had uh, what over a hundred people come to the show on somebody else's dime. Yeah, yeah, it really is a great community, and uh, and I like to too that you it helps take the stigma out of because I think a lot of people with writers are like, oh, you know, business advertising bad, but you take you, you guys kind of take the stigma out of that and say that you know it's necessary even if you're traditionally published, you still have to unless you have a big boat uh, advance or something, you're gonna have to put a <laughs> do a lot of the work yourself. Uh, that's right. You need to you need to market no matter what, and. If you're smart enough to write a book, you're smart enough to do all the other stuff. There's nothing. There's no mis- mysteries there. You don't have to sacrifice goats <laughs> at, at midnight on the solstice. It's just uh, some some basic steps that you have to take. And you can do it anonymously, like from behind your computer. You don't have to get up in front of uh, the world wearing a sandwich board says, buy my book. That's 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 bad marketing. And we don't we don't encourage that. So you've had a lot of success with the in several different genres. You probably best known for your for your sci-fi books uh, but uh, your ian bragg thrillers are, are out now really uh really great thrillers uh, uh a lot of action were you always a fan of thrillers uh, as a reader the uh, what, what prompted you to, to give uh, ian bragg the ian bragg series a, a go i love tom clancy i love his books uh back in the 70s or i'm sorry back in the uh, 80s when i was a uh, a watch officer looking at soviet naval uh, Pacific Naval Fleet uh, uh, movements, ship movements. I read uh, Hunt for Red October, and I'm like, oh my god, we have top secret clearances and all this stuff. Uh, it, here it is. They're they're saying the names. They're saying the code words. Oh my god, and uh, just the way he wrote the book, the way he put it together uh, with the multiple tendrils of simultaneous actions, and, and then winding it together like braiding it until it comes to a conclusion. I love that approach. So I read the Tom Clancy books, uh, of course, some Patterson books. Uh, right now I'm reading something by uh, Robert Dagoni, all, all excellent authors telling great stories that, uh, and, and my experience with the government, I'm like, I, I can do all this stuff. I know this stuff without having to try to dig into the uh, Senate archives and congressional testimony, which is one thing that Clancy had to do, was dig into congressional testimony and find those where they slipped and said a code word or where they discussed a program that wasn't necessarily public, but was on public record. <clears throat> so it, uh, it was a shortcut. And I think it allowed me to write a compelling book with uh, the first Rick Bannock. And now the second one, uh, have to do a little more research because I'm talking about things that I didn't do, which is uh, energy infrastructure. And now the, uh, so Fatal Bragg is the latest one that's came out on November 26th. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Uh, that one was the sequel to the first three. I wrote the first three uh, fairly quickly, uh, one after the other, in order to establish that series. And it was always my intent that those three would be a, like the prequel, the background and then that book four, A Fatal Brag, would be a standalone that would then launch the, the series and the separate books. So that one hit, and it has done very, very well. The premise behind that one is how they get contracts, because I always wanted them to have government contracts, but be a 
a, a wet work contractor not associated with the CIA or anything else doing work that the government needed done, but uh, the shortcuts made it easy. So we put uh, we put Ian Bragg on the job. And then also, since I already had Rick Bannock and the time periods overlapped, I'm like, let's do a let's do a crossover. So Rick Bannock does appear in a fatal brag. So both those series will be mutually supporting without having to read either one before the other. I'm quite curious about your writing process too now, especially when you're like blending these two different worlds uh, in the in your books. The, do you uh, do you outline your books or do you write by the seat of your pants? What's your process like? I, I outline it in my head. I generally write the first chapter and the last chapter and then fill everything else out in between. Oh, cool! That's a, that's 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 a, that's a good strategy to have. So you know where it's the start and the big and the end, and then you like flush it out. <laughs> yeah, if you know where it's going to end, and then also the word count—that's how many side plots I keep active, just all depending on the word count that I'm looking for. And are you writing like multiple projects in different genres at the same time, or do you like have to focus like one and then go to the other one, the other series? Or uh, sometimes, if I get stuck writing. Because uh, you, you you don't have writer's block if you have a, a production schedule like I have. So sometimes the words don't flow as well on one thing as they do uh, on something else. So I will switch to a second series that like the next book after uh, I finish Rick Bannock 2, I'll jump into that one and start making notes and, and highlight some interactions, some scenes, might even write a scene or two. And that helps break it free. So when I go back to my main work, I focus primarily on one, but if I run into any problems and I'll dive into another, get those words, and that gets me way ahead for when I do start that next book. I'm always curious about what the, the my guests are used to write their books, to use Word, Scrivener, or something else. I, I write in Word. Okay. I, old military. Mm. I mean, I grew up with uh, with Word and Microsoft products from, uh, I mean, I used Word Star when I had MS-DOS 3.1. But as soon as we had Windows and Word came out, I've been using Word ever since. Yeah, I remember Word Star, the blue, the blue screen, <laughs> <laughs> floppy that's a blast for the past. Yeah, that's a blast for the past. <laughs> and you have so many irons in the fire with everything you do. Um, I'm just kind of curious what a writing day looks like for you. I mean, do you have like set hours? You have word count goals that you try to meet every day? I do have word count goals right now. The word count goal is three thousand. Let me let me. Uh, plug into my spreadsheet today's numbers and let's see what we've got so yeah i track i i, I track my words every single day let's see it's uh 115 for me and i have 1700 words today i'm averaging 2300 words a day is all on the story and i need to get that up to about 2500 my target is 3000 uh, so I need to I need to jam some extra words today before as soon as we get off. But uh, I do a lot of other things. I publish books. I I, I have my own publishing company. So uh, marketing. I have uh, what I had two books published this week. I had one published Monday and one published Tuesday. So uh, uh, maintaining marketing activity on those uh, and plussing up, encouraging readers to leave reviews. Uh, those kinds of engagements. Uh, 20 books to 50k. I do a five minute focus every day, a uh, like a training video, a professionalism uh, kind of engagement there. And uh, I ordered a cover for a story next year, as well as three other covers 
for a series that I am contemplating writing for next year. So all of this, every day, this is every day I have uh, uh, those things, uh, future books, past books that I'm pushing now, uh, current book that I'm working on, and other things, uh, relations, especially when it comes to uh, 20 books of 50K. Sometimes it's nice being me. Other times it's uh, it's, it's busy <laughs> because uh, like uh, the head of Blackstone Publishing, Blackstone Audio, uh, contacted me this morning looking to have a conversation about what they can do for 20 Books Vegas next year. And I have the same kind of messages from Podium, from Tantor, from Dreamscape, uh, and Audible. I'm, I'm thinking Amazon will break free their travel ban and uh, they'll be in, in place next year. So. The benefit is I get to talk to all of these people, the heads of all these organizations who support authors and indie authors. And sometimes I get good deals. Like I think uh, Podium is looking to pick up one or two of my series. And uh, that'll be nice. Get them made into audio without me having to pay up front. Uh, Ian Bragg, I, I own those in entirety. I, I hired the narrator. I get the audio done and it's consistent as well as the German translations. I have Ian Bragg translated into German too. Oh, how's that going with the German market? Obviously, I hear a lot about the, the conference uh, that it's a that's such a hot market. Uh, what's been your experience so far with with that? It is uh, the sales are good. I think the sales are every bit as comparable uh, with the United States, but my thrillers aren't as thrilling as Germans are used to. Mm. So initially, I got I got bad reviews. Uh, people are like this is boring. This is dull. I fell asleep. It's like what the hell? This is a good book, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's the market. You have to you have to work with the market. So I shifted all the marketing to action adventure instead of thriller. Even though the the series is Ian Bright thrillers, I can't do anything about that. Not now, anyway. But I targeted action adventure, and the reviews all came up. The sales came up, and it was a better fit for that market. Oh, that's fascinating. So just like a little tweak, basically, and you can kind of change the, yeah. the the flow of things. That's fascinating. Well, one thing, uh, one thing I accept because I have a, a great insider team for readers of varying demographics as well as nationalities and genders, just to make sure I cover all my bases, and they they make sure that I don't put out anything that's not a good book. So I know the books are good. I just need to target the right readers for the particular books. And once I started targeting action adventure with Ian Bragg, it, it's doing it's doing better. It was doing fine before, but it was getting bad reviews, and I didn't like that. Yeah, so since so, so you've uh, published books in several different different genres and subgenres, uh, do you think that in the end, I mean, the, and the story is really what's the most important, right? I mean, you need to have a good, a, a, you know, be writing in a popular genre and all that, of course, but. The story really is what trumps everything, and I, I, I like how you always say that when you uh, when you post on the groups and stuff. Yeah, characters, the characters will drive the plot forward. So the plot, uh, in when you're writing a book, your CGI and your special effects are not going to be able to carry the day. And you look at something like Star Wars that had the cutting edge special effects, but it was still a hero's journey, and people fell in love with the characters, and the characters move those stories forward. And even though the special effects are dated. The character acting wasn't as great as it could have been because everybody was young. Still, the story holds solid. Uh, Star Wars, uh, now number four. When it, back then, it was number one. Uh, so Star Wars 
is is a great example of the characters. The characters drove that plot forward, even though they also had cutting edge uh, uh, CGI. And nowadays you see a lot of movies with uh, even better CGI and special effects, but the characters aren't relatable and they aren't, aren't moving the plot forward. Yeah, that, that, that has been something where they spent, I don't know how many hundreds of millions on CGI effects, but the story wasn't good. And so this movie flopped. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and one movie I saw it was on yesterday. And as soon as it came up, I'm like, oh, I don't like this version. Uh, Midway, the modern version, it's just, it's a bunch of disjointed battles. And they weren't even using good tactics, but the, the CGI was incredible. It looked like you're right in the middle of the battle. But the movie itself was just so bad because there was no story. There was no character you could relate to that you wanted to follow throughout. So <clears throat> sorry, Midway. I like the original version because those characters you could embrace. Yeah, I remember the one from the 60s. I didn't realize they'd, they'd, they'd put another one out. Yeah, you're not missing anything, man. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. So, And so the, we've touched about it, how productive you are. You're such a prolific author. And uh, for listeners who, who are writers or aspiring writers and trying to get better at it. I'm always trying to improve my, my, the way I write. Uh, what advice do you have for the people who are, who are listening? who are trying to get better at this. Uh, keep writing. Don't rewrite the same thing over and over. Uh, write a book and you'll look at it. You'll keep going through it and you'll say, this isn't great. Give it out, give it out to people, uh, sell it, put it out for sale. And then as people give you, start giving you feedback, embrace those folks uh, and see if any of them, because if somebody says, hey, it's a great story, but you lost me here, you lost me there, embrace that person because they're they're doing you a favor. <laughs> and then said, hey, would you like to read my next book at, at no cost here? I'll just give it to you at 30,000 words and let me know what you think about the story. And you'll start getting great feedback. And that's how you build your insider team. And the only way you can do that is by writing continuous new stuff. If you're rewriting the same book and say, hey, can you read this again? See how uh, the fix, uh, they're going to get bored with you and stop giving you feedback, especially if you don't always accept their input. And sometimes their input is, is good and other times it's not. So keep giving them new books and say, this is great. I appreciate this and incorporate what, what will keep your new readers reading. You don't want to ever give a reader a reason to stop reading. So uh, if any, if it slows down or if it becomes tired or if a side plot isn't working, cut it out, uh, fix it and keep moving forward. I'm kind of uh, curious too now with this uh, year and a half that we've had with the pandemic, did that change your writing process at all? Your publishing uh, pace at all? No, I wrote like six more books last year than I had planned. Yeah. It didn't really change anything for me. Keep in mind where I live. I live in the center of Alaska. I have almost no contact with humanity as it is. <laughs> so not being able to have contact with humanity when I don't already, all it did was save me a lot of travel and saved a lot of money on travel and allowed me to produce extra books. So uh, yeah, yeah, last year was a huge, huge year for me from a financial perspective. Yeah, I've seen the pictures you've posted on the Northern Lights, uh, like right from your like driveway, right? It was just amazing. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We live outside the city. We live about 10 miles outside Fairbanks. So we don't have any light pollution. And when you have a clear sky, sometimes you get great shows. And so curious to now, so the 2020, uh, the 2021 uh, um, conference is over. Do you start like right away now working already on the, on, for next year? Uh, or do you get a little break at all? <laughs> I started last year. You have to, to reserve a hotel and get things uh, moving you have to start at least two years early. Wow. 
So uh, 2023 and 2024, we've already locked in the dates. I haven't signed the contracts yet, but I was assured that we have our dates that we asked for. No, no, I've already started. I already have all everything set up for 2022, the registration on January 8th, but I already have everything in place. 100% of what we need is in place. And I'll, I have a full-time employee for next year for nothing but 20 books Vegas to take some of the pressure off me as we come down the home stretch. Yeah, that is good. Because I remember like the first one, you were basically almost doing everything on your own that first that first year that was kind of crazy <laughs> yeah yeah it was all me and that was that was tough but we only had like 400 people yeah how many attended uh, how, how many ended up attending this year we had just under 1400 show up we had 1750 registered and eh, not too bad we didn't have too many people bail out at the last minute yeah that's great that's awesome yeah i highly recommend uh, aspiring writers to, to check it out and, and even the readers because you had the um uh, signing event, which was awesome. I went to, I, I didn't have a table, but I went to check it out and uh, really great. Uh, the setup and the people that were there. So on uh, November 18th, we'll have a, an author signing event again. Wow. Yeah. Cause that was, that, that was amazing. The people really went all out with their, with their tables and their setups. So yeah, it was pretty amazing to see that. Pretty cool. And it will be next year as well. We talked a little bit about advice in writing, but what what other advice would you have for for aspiring writers out there who are trying to get their uh, their act together? <laughs> Finish it. Finish the book. If you start one, don't have a shiny object syndrome and have a bunch of uh, uh, half finished books. You have to finish a book to understand the entire process. And what's your uh, what's uh, what's next for you and for Ian Bragg? I actually I hate to admit it, but I do not have an idea for Ian Bragg five. Uh, I hope that comes to me over the next six months, but uh, I'll probably publish an Ian Bragg book either in the summer or in the fall next year. So it'll be a while in between the books, but that's where I need to work on my marketing, get that uh, get that first book, get those first four into more people's hands. You find a lot of difference between writing, like when you're writing a, a space opera or sci-fi versus a thriller. Is, do you, is, it, is it like a different mindset for you or is it the process is the same? The process is pretty much the same. It's all about the characters and the character interactions. Once you have the character in mind and their mannerisms and their foibles, then you can put that to action to solve a problem. It's all about uh, conflict and resolution. Keep the plot moving forward with a conflict resolution in each scene and the conflict doesn't have to be a fight. It could be anything where there's an engagement. All right. And so for, uh, for the listeners, the great place to, uh, to learn more about you and, and find more about your books would be at the, your website, craigmartell.com. It is craigmartell.com. Yeah. And I highly recommend it also for the listeners uh, that are aspiring writers or, or not aspiring, even if you've published is to check out your nonfiction books. Cause those are, those are fantastic. Uh, for the, those books that you put out for the for indie authors. Oh, you bet. Successful indie author series. Do you enjoy writing the nonfiction? Is it really different from writing fiction? I'm oh, no. I put those books together to save myself time. I got an awful lot of questions, and I found myself answering the same questions over and over. So I wrote the books to help answer those questions. Uh, pricing strategies, release strategies, how to become an, a successful indie author, uh, write compelling fiction, and then the final one is uh, collaborations. Oh, yeah, because you, you do a lot of collaborations and I've never done that before. Um, is that something that is it harder to do or is it you already have that the system down? Can you tell us a little bit about that process? I have fired over 50 collaborators. So it's a, it's a very challenging process to get right and make sure that you have the right collaborator, the person who's writing with you, who helps make you better. 
and helps the process be better. And they could still be a new author, but their engagement and the way they approach writing is what uh, what matters most. So getting there, having a good plot, having good characters and a synergy. So yes, I collaborate a fair bit, but very, very selective. You can't solicit and say, hey, I want to collaborate with you. That's not, that's not how it works. In anthologies too, you put a lot of great anthologies out there. And I know that those are, you go through a, a very rigorous process to be able to join one of your anthologies. Um, are those fun to put together? Are you, do you have an anthologies planned uh, coming up here? I, I actually don't. I might do a another, the Expanding Universe anthology, science fiction. And that would be the eighth one in that series. They're difficult. They're time consuming to put together. But the reward of who gets in I think is worth it because we all get to work together to market, promote, read each other's work. And I think people get a better look at the wider industry than just uh, writing and marketing their own stuff. Right, Craig. Well, yeah, you're a lot of irons in the fire. I'm very, very impressed. I, just, I get tired just uh, listening to your uh, schedule. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's a it's 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 uh, not one for normal people or healthy. Don't do what I do. <laughs> All right, Craig. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Alan. I really appreciate being on your show. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If you have done that already, I thank you. I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links all my links will be uh, on that uh, page so that's it for this episode uh, see you next time and stay safe out there <laughs>